0: Good afternoon, you? thank you for tuning in. This is episode 9 of the League Quizzes podcast. Uh, we're going to change things up slightly today, so we're going to start off with our guest interview, which is Chris Foreman. Uh, Chris, how are things? you okay? I'm good, Dan, thanks. Good, Good. thanks for coming on, I appreciate your time. Um, so yeah, Josh, I'll pretty much stand straight over to you, mate, and you can take us through with Chris, if that's alright.
1: Yeah, cheers, Dan. Are you okay, Chris? I'm good, Josh, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, just a few questions today, really, about your career and your time at the clubs you was at and stuff like that. If that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just to start off, I uh, was doing a bit of research about you, Chris, and you scored the quickest hat trick ever in six minutes and forty-five seconds, and that record still stands. I don't yeah. know if you
2: did know about that or it, it, what. What does it feel like to hold that record? Ah, uh, yeah, it's. Um, I suppose now I've retired, Josh. I can look back on those sorts of things and uh, you know the the milestones in my career, and that's that's definitely one. Um, that was a seems like a lifetime ago now. Um, I think it was. I'm not sure if it was. It was in the cup for Huddersfield at Doncaster. I remember, and um, we would have thought we'd have gone on and win that game by by a hundred points, but we actually didn't. We I think we eighteen nil up. Um, and uh, after after my hat trick from the start of the game, after you know, like you say, six or seven minutes or whatever, but they came right back in the game because I think he took off off the gas. But yeah, um, it's it's something that I'm proud of. I suppose I've got um I got a call from from Guinness, um uh, you know, and, and I'm 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 in the Guinness Book of Records. Um, they don't they don't put my record, they don't put the same records in every year. Um, but it's in. I've got a few of the a few of the as a kid, I actually used to collect the. The books, the Guinness books. Um, you know, I had a fascination of world records. To be honest, I can, I can still tell you that the, the tallest ever living human being was Robert Pershing Wadlow, and he was eight foot eleven and one tenth. <laughs> yeah, honestly, mate. Like, I'm, am Don't tell anyone, but I'm a closet nerd. I like statistics and I like that sort of thing. And um, I'm, act- I'm actually, now I'm not showing off, but I'm actually, I've got actually got two world records because I've, I scored the most points in any professional game of rugby league when I. Finished my career in York. We played Northumbria University um, in the Challenge Cup, and I scored four, four tries and kicked twenty goals as well. So, um, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm fortunate, I'm fortunate enough to have played in some good teams as well. Yeah, I, d- I didn't know the second record this Chris. Um, just a just a quick question to touch up on that: you kicked twenty goals out of how many? Was that Chris? 22 I missed oh, two I, I tell you what, dad is some record isn't it you know, in, in, you know you know what, you know what my dad said when i come off the pitch what he, what what did he say he said he said how come you missed those two kicks at goal <laughs> i'm but, like jesus christ father i can't win can I? <laughs> not, not why did you kick the winter it was why yeah, did you exactly. Miss them too. exactly well that that's that's you no. that's my dad anyway and i know we all have you know if you're a you know a professional athlete professional rugby player that's uh, done anything in their career you you tend to find that um, you know there's often a a, a good uh, you know support base behind them whether it's a, a, a parent or a grandparent and you know my parents were very supportive so I, I owe them a lot but um, my dad was my harshest critic as well <laughs> I suppose that's what drives you know, although Chris is
1: obviously as a player as well obviously you, when your dad saying why did you miss those two obviously that goes in your head now and that if they ever get to that point, I don't want to miss any sort of concern
2: Obviously, say, I didn't miss any this week and stuff yeah, like that. Of course, mate. That well that that sort of drives on the training field more than like, having that sort of attitude. You know, you 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 know, um, you know, I've listened to a few of your podcasts and you've had a, a few of my mates on. I listened to the one with Stuart Fielding a few weeks ago now. Um and Um, you know, Stu on his day was pretty much the best front rower on the planet and um I've played against Stu plenty of times and it's it's not a nice it's not a nice thing playing against Stu when he's (laughs) at his best. And um, you know, any 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 good rugby player um will tell you it's about attitude and it's about accumulating good days, training days, and and then on a Sunday at three o'clock or a Friday at eight o'clock, you know, the performance looks after itself. So yeah, I mean, having that drive from my dad was definitely the starting point for me. And obviously,
1: that drive got you to Australia, Chris, and you signed for Parramatta Eels. What was your, your, obviously, your life and your,
2: your short stint in the NRL? What was that like? Yeah, look, I've, I've answered this question a few times. I've been on a few podcasts during lockdown because um, there's not there's not much else to do. But um, I, I suppose I, I maybe went a little bit too early. I was just just twenty two, twenty three, um, you know, and I was. I played Super League for a few years. I played for for four years or so, but I I, I probably went a touch too early. Um, but you you never know when these opportunities are going to present themselves, and um, I did I jumped at the chance. You know, um, you know if your viewers know anything about the NRL, um, it, back back then it was the difference between NRL and Super League was much more significant. I think um, you know we're seeing a lot more English players go over there now and. And try the hand and be, and being being relatively successful, you know. You just look at that Canberra team and the Burgess boys and, and James Graham and people like that. But um, you know, my, my time there was it was probably the best year of my life, really. From a from a learning experience, from a cultural um, viewpoint, from a just a maturing point of view as a as an adult and as a as a rugby league player too. You know, um, I matured a lot and I and I came back a, a much much better player. You know, much more rounded. Probably appreciated appreciated the defensive elements of of rugby league a lot more than I did when I left. You know, before I before I went to Parramatta, I was very much a, a maverick, and I kind of did stuff off the cuff, and I I did I basically did what I wanted. Um, but when I went to Parramatta, I was um, getting the balance of, of of having some structure to your game, being defensively sound, being tough, uh, and um, and 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 be and a, and appreciating that you need to be an absolute professional because if you don't if you don't tick every box and you don't do the right thing every single day, somebody else will take your spot. And the 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 sort of competition for places in in the NRL is absolutely light years beyond what we what we have in Super League. You know, um, you know, in Super League you can have a few few bad games and you can if you've got a decent reputation you'll you'll stay in the side. But um, it's not like that in the NRL. You, have, you you could train poorly and you wouldn't get picked, you know. So, um, I, like I say, one of the best years of my life from from a number of di- for a number of different reasons. And obviously, you
1: touched up there about back then. there was only two English players. You, it was yeah. you, yourself and I. I can't remember who the the other player was a-
2: Adrian Adrian Morley. That Is that it was? On? Adrian
1: Morley yeah. and yourself and. <clears throat> Obviously, you you touch up a, a lot more now, so obviously there's a bit of a difference there now. Do you think from when
2: you went, Chris, to now, Super League closed the gap on the NRL? A little bit, a little bit. Um, look, I, I think that I think our top teams would would be a lot more competitive. Um, you know, I don't I don't know how old, how old you fellas are, but um, I'm guessing you're a bit younger than me and. It, I can cast my memory back to when I very first signed for Sheffield Eagles. They were playing in the World Club Championship, the World Club Challenge, and uh, you know, every single Australian team came over here, and every single Super League team went over there, and you know, played a kind of a round robin type tournament. And and out of whatever forty fifty games, we, we would have been lucky to win five games, you know. And and now I think the likes of St Helens, Wigan, Warrington, you know the. The top teams would 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 more would hold their own definitely, and we've seen that in the World Club Challenge. Um, Saying that, I, I think that we're still we're still quite a way off in terms of the whole round package of of what the competitions offer. You know the strength, and depth of an NRL club. You know I've seen it firsthand. They have uh, you know structured leagues right the way right the way through. Um, you know you have a, a Parramatta representative at 15s and 16s and 18s and 20s, and then a reserve grade squad of 30 and then a first grade squad of 32. So there are so many, you know, the talent pool is, is, is much larger. Um, And when you're, you know, you know, pretty much in New South Wales and Queensland, rugby league is the number one sport. And in England, it's, it's not, it's fair way down the pecking order. So when it comes to um, the distribution of the best athletes, rugby league doesn't necessarily get the best athletes. Um, You know, the likes of football get the best athletes um so look I, I, I whether we're closing the gap or not I think the top teams are certainly more competitive um and it's it's almost an impossible question really josh to answer but um you know i, I look i've i've spent a lot of time at coaching huddersfield and I like to think that the gap was bridged somewhat when i've you know i've i've worked with some good Australian coaches and stuff like that and you you you, you kind of um consider your knowledge base and your understanding and stuff and you know there's a few things we're not that far away and then I think the most significant things are the money that's available to us you know they have a billion dollar deal deal with Fox and um, and Sky and things like that which we're miles off of having and then the talent pool you know the infrastructure of the uh, juniors and the development and the community uh, rugby league teams are, are much are much further on than us. Yeah, I totally agree, though, Chris. And the reason
1: I just I, I just asked that question was because obviously, international level, we I think we've closed the gap with them a little bit. Yeah. To be fair, we yeah. obviously the last time we, in the World Cup uh, the World Cup final, we got beat four 0 and everyone thought it might have been a walkover for them and it, it wasn't. And obviously, yeah. this year in the World Cup challenge, Saints actually for me was the better team than Sydney Roosters. Sydney Roosters to just took their chances, and Saints never yeah. Yeah, I just. What what would you? Obviously, your career was was a a successful career and a a long career as well. What would you say the best moments of your playing career was?
2: Oh, I mean, there's a few things, man. I um, I I suppose um, you know the first few times you get in the Great Britain squad and you you know you're getting the train on squads and you know you you get the. You get to rub shoulders of people, you know, genuine legends of the game in you know, an Andy Farrell or Paul Sculthorpe or Sean Long. So those moments were great, but very much individual. Um, you know, I played I played for Yorkshire against Lancashire, which, you know, um, back when they, they, we had a, a kind of an equivalent to a state of origin. Which I think needs to be brought back. In, in all fairness, you know, hundred percent, definitely. Mate, whether you know this thing about the exiles and and stuff like that, I'm not sure. Look, I, I think anything would be good. You know, especially now the ashes is ashes series isn't going to go ahead. We need to do something. But you know, for me, you know, you you're just going to have the the best English players um in in a Yorkshire squad and a Lancashire squad and make it a three game series, um you know, and be consistent with it. That, that's often the problem with our sport. We change things. We're too quick to change things. Give give something a chance. Let the let the public um, let the public's imagination grab hold of it and, and let it grow. You know we're too quick to change. So that, that's that's one thing that I I remember. I was fortunate enough to get a man of the match in in my in the game that we played. Um, I scored twenty two points against Lancashire, and um, again that Lancashire team was absolutely packed full of stars. Um, you know the Yorkshire team was good too, but but not on the level of of, of Lancashire. So that that's a lasting memory. And then, and then when I came back from Parramatta, obviously my time in the NRL was brilliant. But came back from Parramatta and um, uh, captain Huddersfield Giants to a Challenge Cup final against Saints. Um, you know, captain Huddersfield to get into the Super League playoffs for the first time in their existence. Um, and then I was fortunate enough to play a few times for England, and and I got to captain England a couple of times too. So there's a, there's a few things, um, but but honestly, Josh, the most. The most memorable and overriding thing in my career is just you know what, just getting to go to work with 25 of your best mates, um, and, and celebrating a win on a weekend and having a beer with them and, and just enjoying each other's company. And um, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough that I'm still in the game as a coach, and I get to, I still get to experience that. I do miss playing, but I, but I get to experience the the day-to-day stuff of being um, being associated with a rugby league club, a professional rugby league club. And I and I know I've got a lot of mates that are retired now and they miss that they miss that uh, immensely. So that that's probably the one thing that stands out for me. Obviously
1: you're basically there, Chris. You you read my mind because my next question was the uh Towns Cup final in two thousand and six. Obviously, what was the build up to that game like and what what was it like? Obviously Saints was was yeah. the team that year and what what's it like to Obviously, losing any games hard, but to lose a final, it must must, that must have been hard. Yeah, it
2: it was, Josh. um, We 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 probably, in all fairness, we probably played our final against Leeds at Oddsell. We we battled a really good Leeds team. We put thirty on them, and that was probably the best that Huddersfield side had played in my time there. Um, And because we weren't, you know, Saints had absolutely seasoned veterans when it comes to Challenge Cup finals and Grand Finals, and you know Scully and Longing and Kieran Cunningham and Paul Wellens and and then you sprinkle that with a Jamie Lyon or a, you know someone like that. So um, pound for pound, they were a much a much better squad than us. But saying that, we we thought we were capable of beating anybody on the day. Um, the thing that that ate me up was um, the week's preparation. I was I was struggling with a, a bit of a quad injury, strained the quad, and um, you know you you shouldn't really push anything on a soft tissue injury so that, that was the first thing but the second thing was being a, the captain of the squad I, I did more media that week than I'd ever done before you know to get an interviewed on the game day live on the BBC and if you've never experienced that before that can be kind of energy sapping and it just drains you um, and I remember kind of not feeling myself in the warm-up and, and I and I can speak for a, a few of the lads you know we, we'd almost you, you play the game in your head so many times um, and honestly you can't afford to do that against a team with the talent that Saint Helens had and, and unfortunately probably in the second half it um it, it showed really um but you know no no regrets and and, and obviously I, I didn't get unfortunately get to play in a major final after that um playing a few big games but um i think I'd have, I'd have been better player for it having that experience under my belt <laughs> Uddersfield, you spent a lot of a lot of time of your career at
1: Uddersfield, and then you was on the coaching staff there as well. Yeah. I've always thought with Uddersfield, Chris. They, they get to a level like the year they won the league and Challenge yeah. Cup final? But they, they always seem to disappoint. They always seem never to push on. I'd love Uddersfield to always, yeah. you no, know, to go to the next step to win yeah. to win a Challenge Cup or Grand Final. What do you think the
2: the thing what doesn't drive Huddersfield on? Why, why do you think that is? Oh. It's, it's a tough one, I mean, cause I've, like because like you say, I've been associated with, you know, I was, I was assistant coach of Paul Anderson during that time we won the League, League of Shield and um, you know, I've got a, an, a long affiliation with them. Um, I, I suppose um, the, the, a couple of things we, and I think it's something that Huddersfield have got right eventually. The, the youth development is brilliant now. If you look at the squad and look at how many um, homegrown players there are that have played through their academy system, um, you know, you can I can reel the names off, but I think that's one thing because if you look at the successful Wigan sides specifically, they've always they've always had a production line of their own talent, and I think that's one thing that Huddersfield maybe haven't had, and they've certainly got that in place now. And, and the other thing is is having the ability to bring in a couple of absolutely world class marquee signings, and um, that that Huddersfield have never really been able to do that either until. Until this year, I mean, would you class um, Aiden Caesar as a world-class top-line player? 100%. He, he's he's certainly, certainly good, and he's certainly from his first few games, uh, first whatever five, six games in the in Super League, he was he was as good a halfback as anything in the competition. So, I think those two things they they they're addressing. And I know Ken Davy personally, the chairman, who's you know he's a rich man, he's a proud man. But he's not a stupid man. He's a businessman, and he and he doesn't want to just spend money willy nilly. Um, so Ken's been methodical in, in 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 how he's distributed the cash, um, and I think um, he will spend it. But it has to be the right fit. And I and I speak to look. I still speak to Simon Wolford most days, um, and and I think they've got they've they've certainly got the right bloke. I'm confident of that. Um, it just it's just everything has got to fall into place. You've got to get a little bit of luck. You've had a. You've got to have the right medical. The medical department, because that's something else that probably the fans don't realize, is that your medical department is probably the most important depart department in a in a Super League in a, in a, any rugby league organization. Because it's no good having you know twenty five stallions or twenty five Ferraris parked in the garage if if they're always broken, you know. So ha- having the balance of uh, you know a good squad with. Uh, good medical um, staff and S and C staff and and obviously coaching staff too. That's really important too. But having a balance of all of that with a couple of things that I've that I've have tossed up there is is uh, will will ensure that you, you get success. And I, and I honestly don't think Huddersfield are that far off it. You know, it would have been disappointing. You know, I think what are they four from four out of five they won this year. And yeah. and when the season when the comp gets up up and running again, it'll be really interesting to see how how Huddersfield go again.
1: Yeah, because obviously they beat Saints, and there was the first team to beat Saints over twelve months. And there's yeah. one player who, who stood out for me at Uddersfield, and I, I really like him as a player. And it was Cruz Lehman and obviously I was surprised yeah. when Gatsby signed for for Leeds yeah. for this season. Yeah,
2: what, what do you think's behind that, Chris, do you yeah. think, Well, again, do you just fancy to move or. Oh, Josh, that again, look, I've worked with Cruz for a long time and I've known Cruz for, for you know, six, seven years and I've watched him develop through the academy into the first team. And, and, and I'm telling you, Josh, and you, you probably agree with me, that there is no um, more skillful, talented, no. um, you know, dynamic hooker in the competition. There There isn't. That Cruz Cruise is, Cruise has got the lot. I'm going um, to interrupt you there, Chris, sorry. And I totally agree with what you're saying there because... I've always
1: said when James Roby retires, if if Saints went looking for a nine, yeah. he'd be yeah. he would be the, the, the best suited nine for Saints. Just the way yeah. Saints play, he, yeah. he, he's off a quick play of the ball. He's frightening. He, he is. He's mate. got a bit of a kicking game. He tackles everything. He's tough. I just,
2: yeah.
1: I just, I've always I've always liked him at Udersfield And then when he left, I thought the half of the field have got in Lee Gascon this season, for me. Yeah. Pro- possibly the two. Best yeah, six and seven in Super League. Yep. Well, current form before Super League starts.
2: Yeah, and the cruise on the off playing with them. I thought it, it, that could have been a ruthless. Effect. Well, let let me let me kind of explain and 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 hopefully understand it. It look it's it, the one thing that Cruz was. Um, uh, not we we were maybe I was critical of or Simon's critical of was his game management. It is it is um it is plays um when the, when you're under pressure or when you're chasing a game or when you're, when you're trying to consolidate a, a, a lead that you already have, at times, Cruz's decision-making wasn't on the money. Um, and the other thing that we have to remember is, so we've got Adam, there's Adam O'Brien. And Adam, yeah. in my opinion, Adam O'Brien is probably the most NRL-like hooker in our competition. And we play in two different competitions, Adam O'Brien does his job 100%. He's, he is seven and a half, eight out of ten every single week. He doesn't miss tackles. He has plenty of ruck wins. His distribution is top class. He's got a good left foot kicking game. And I, and I honestly think that the, the the circumstances just fit Cruz and Leeds and Leeds Rhinos. And the appeal to play for Leeds was something that Cruz appealed to Cruz. Um, and, I, and I think that, it probably wasn't a case of Huddersfield wanting to get rid of Cruz. It was more a case of, well, Adam O'Brien's doing a fantastic job, and when you've got two good halfbacks like Huddersfield doing Gaskey and Aidan Caesar, pretty much what you what you want is to get them the ball when they want the ball, and Adam O'Brien is maybe better suited to to that than than Cruz Lehman was. Yeah, I just I just always thought like obviously you touched up on Adam O'Brien, as of a
1: perfect player. And I just, clearly even I've always been a big fan of his, Chris, and I just thought yeah, I'd ask him yeah.
2: a question. That's it nah, for me, Chris. He's, he's good, Josh. He's, he cruises he is, is a cracking player, and he will be. Me, he, what, keep watching him because he'll continue to develop.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I used to. I used to play hooker myself, and me when I used to play them. Obviously, I've always watched hookers, and obviously, I see yeah. a good one when I see one, and. Obviously, when I see him cruise, I just thought he's frightening. He's scared. I'll land it over to Chris now, uh, to Dan, Chris. No problem, mate.
0: Yeah, cheers for that, Chris. I really appreciate, obviously, uh, your playing career and that sort of thing. I want to ask you a bit more about the coaching side of things. So, obviously, you're now at Workington. uh, Yeah. You was interim at Huddersfield for a while as well. What was the the sort of main difference you, you sort of come across as, you know, your perspective from a player to a coach. What are the, the main differences, would you say? Oh Jesus, Dan, it's a, the world's apart. I, right. I
2: swear to I swear to god, you don't know you're born when you're a player. You get catered <laughs> for, you get you get you get free food. You get you know you you're basically um a gym monkey, a professional gym monkey. You know <laughs> you, you can you get paid to work out, you get paid to um run around the field with your mates, you get paid to throw a ball around with your mates, you know, you 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 players don't realise how easy they have it. Um, Look, it's tough in in terms of um, the field sessions, the conditioning and pre-season in all sorts of weather, um, going to army camps, doing, you know, whatever. But but physically, you you are at your peak. You know, when I played, when I was all through my 20s, I was as fit as anyone. Um, And and I'm not going to say it was easy, but your, your body is tailored to do that. So you're used to it. You're used to getting your head kicked in every Friday or Saturday or Sunday. And you're used to the rigors of of doing it on a weekly basis. So for me, it was it was a it was brilliant. You know, you got paid a decent wage to run around with your mates essentially and, yeah. and to work out. Now, being a coach, um, you have to be much more selfless. You know, everything you do is for the player. Everything that you your day to day job is to make their life as easy as possible, to prepare them, and to make their lives as easy as possible. So. Um, it's very time consuming. Um that's the first thing I noticed when I went back to Huddersfield and full time coaching. Um, you know, you're the you're the first in and you're the last out. You know, when you're a player, you look you, you you have some early starts, you might be in at seven, but if you're in at seven, I I guarantee you'll be done by one or two. Um and you you get more days off than teachers get. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, because because you can't you because there's such a thing as overtraining too. You can't, you know, so everything is associated with sports science and there's training loads and this, this S and C staff come to you and say, Chris, they can't do this. They can't do that. Or, you know, and I'll disagree. I'll go, no, they're doing it. So there's, there's a, there's a bit of a balance to it, but um, it's chalk and cheese down, honestly, um, especially being an assistant coach, you've got to do a lot of donkey work, but you know, you do a lot of video, a lot of um, preparation on the opposition um, you know, you'd watch five or six games a week when it comes to watching the opposition. And that's not even that's not even thinking about your training because every training session gets filmed and you review every training session. So, you know, a typical day for me when I was at Huddersfield would have been sort of in it in at six. I'd do a little bit of training myself, have a little bit of breakfast and then you'd then you'd be sitting in front of your laptop a couple of hours, um, session plans. You know you'd, everything would be prepared and ready to go, but you'd, you'd, you'd talk about the, the sessions that you had that day. Um, the players would be in to do their weight sessions and then they'd, they'd eat, um, then we'd probably show them a bit of video, and that video would depend on what day it was. You know you'd do um, it would either be a training review, a playing review or an um, opposition preview. So you'd, you'd tend to do your video just before you went out on the field. you'd go out on the field you'd come back that would be filmed you you look at the training footage um and then kind of that you know you're looking at being four five six o'clock by then so you know the the long days um but like um i'm i I always say Dan, I've, I've got the second best job in the world I had the best job in the world being a player now I've got the second best job in the world in, in coaching um, and it's I wouldn't change it but it's it's hard work and it's you get what you put in like anything in life
0: yeah, definitely, and and obviously you know you mentioned Stuart Fielding earlier on. Obviously, I speak to him quite a bit. You mentioned obviously yeah. at the time Huddersfield when when he did a bit of coaching as well. He'd sort of tag yeah. up defence and he'd tag up a, the attack, and yeah. that was alongside yeah. academy coaching as well. So yeah. the long days, them aren't they? Like you said, from a coaching point of view, they're long days, aren't they? they?
2: They are, mate. Look, the I suppose my workload. Your workload goes down the more successful you are. You know, when I was interim head coach. You have assistants to do things for you, yeah. um, but but also you know I, I'm a bit uh, I'm a bit reluctant to to give people that I, I'd rather do stuff myself. You know I trust my own judgment, um, but but the best people uh, are able to manage the people around them, and that's probably something that I have learned during my time at Huddersfield. But yeah. yeah, when you're when you're academy coach and assistant coach, um very very tough um, as, as Stu would have alluded to you know <clears throat> the thing with Stu um, the best thing with Stu um, and I was going to save this story because we, we do a we do a weekly sort of web chat on the on the Working Town Facebook page so Stu's actually going to be one of our guests in the next couple of weeks and um, <laughs> my my favourite story with Stu when he became when he came on the coaching staff was the amount of laptops he used to go through because he's because <laughs> he's got the he's got Big, massive shovel hands, and and, and every every single every single finger looks like an oversized knickknack because he had them, he's had them, he's had them broken that many times, and he just had no, he just he he could not press the keyboard softly, so he he'd literally break a keyboard once a week, you know, and probably cost the club more than he was getting paid at the time,
0: and <laughs> um, and and obviously you know like you said though you're now at Workington so the. I suppose the the sort of facilities that you've access to, with the resources, are are much more limited. How have you sort of adapted to that from going from Huddersfield, where I'm assuming you yeah, wherever you wanted to to maybe pretty much, pretty much, mate. But I I suppose, uh, look, I talking
2: to the CEO at Huddersfield, I kind of knew that I needed to leave the club to come back if I was going to come back and be head coach one day, and that was I was told that a couple of times, so. I kind of, look, I could have been assistant coach for a long, long time, but I have aspirations to be a head coach at, at Super League and, and, and possibly in the NRL. So um, leaving the club was, was, you know, it was tough, but at the same time, an opportunity at Workington um, presented itself. And it's, it, it's one of the most enjoyable things I've ever done. You know, I'm, I, I am the boss. I am the accountable one. Um, and it's, it is different. Um, like you say, facilities resources, finances are completely different to a super league club that spends you know two point two million quid on my playing staff alone you know yeah. so um but but it's it 's just as rewarding because everything that we gain i 'll have had an influence on and it's you know it 's my it 's my job to not just make the team a better team it 's my job to make the club a much better club much better club because Look, they've invested a lot in me, you know, a three-year deal, and I, and I, you know, it's my job to make sure that the infrastructure of the whole club is much better than it has been, um, and and so far so good. I mean, COVID 19s yeah, yeah, me- messed
0: that
2: messed that up a little bit, but you know, um, I'm really confident of what we're doing and what we're building, and um, I'm really excited
0: for the future. <laughs> and, and obviously, Wood League in Cumbria, you, you're getting to experience that now, which is, you know. It's... <clears throat> Having played rugby in Cumbria, at different points <coughs> in sort of my life, is, it, it's different up there, isn't it? They, they sort of think of the game sure a little different to, to anywhere else in the country. I think.
2: Oh, they, it is. Um, he, it's funny to describe it, really, Dan. It's um, they're a they're a different breed of the Cumbrians, <laughs> and the good the good people, the good people, they yeah. love, they genuinely love the rugby league. You know, I've I've lived in Yorkshire a long time, and I've spent a lot of time in, on the other side of the M62. Some of my best mates are from Wigan and Saints and stuff like that, but um it it means no less to the cumbrians they they absolutely love the sport and um I, I think the one thing that i need to do is i need to have a genuine cumbrian um spine and core of the squad need to be cumbrians because if i can develop those players um and develop the community clubs and develop the community coaches um you know it just it just stands us in good stead for the long run because um you know, I know we, we you sent me a couple of text messages down before this and um I, I genuinely believe that um whether it's Super League or, or whatever whatever happens to rugby league in, in this country is you know developing and, and um I, I really think that there's a place for something like that in Cumbria.
0: hundred percent. I, I think for you know, whenever Super League does expand, you know, in, in future then Cumbria's gotta be a big part of that discussion as well. Um and, and just another thing, obviously, in the in the NRL at the minute you've got the the new six again rule. I mean, I'm assuming you you follow the NRL, Chris? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I've, I, watch, I watch every game to be honest. Dan. Yeah. And what do you think of that sort of new rule? Obviously, I'm, I'm a big fan of it, but what's your sort of initial opinion well, of it? So, so my initial initial
2: opinion is opinion is that it's a good one. Um, it's um, it. You know, I, I spoke to Phil Clark about this on the Sky podcast a couple of weeks ago, and, and Phil was. I kind of answered the question saying, "Well, it's good. It speeds the game up." And Phil's kind of question back was, "Well, does does speeding the game up necessarily mean it it's more entertaining, or it's a better product to sell, or it's going to put more bums on seats in the stadium?" And I and I I think the the simple answer to that is yes. Yeah. Um, it speeds yeah. the it speeds the game up. Yeah. Um, you can manipulate the bigger fellas who move um, laterally not very well. They're not as a as agile as a George Williams, as we're seeing, we saw a couple of weeks ago, not as agile as a, you know, a James Tedesco or a Daly Cherry Evans, you know? And um, I, I think that it is a good thing. Um, I think that we're, we're obviously going to um, take this on board in Super League and go forward with it. We need to be careful not to change too much of our sport. You know, I like the six again rule. I'm not. I'm not so sure about getting rid of scrums. And I understand from a... A medical and scientific point of view that um, by all accounts, they say that getting rid of scrums r- removes 1500 um, close contact um, impressions on players. I mean, I- I'm not sure how that's possible, but from a, from a, from a, just a, a rugby league point of view, when you've got six and six, 12 big blokes out the way um, and you you open up the field to some outside backs, you open up 70% of the field from some outside backs there's a lot of exciting things can happen from yeah. that. And I, and I personally don't think that there's enough clubs and teams to take advantage of that. You know, I, I think that I'm, uh, from my coaching point of view, I try and think outside the box and how I can manipulate defences all the time. And I think from scrums, there are a lot of opportunities. Um, so I understand the medical point of view and the science point of view, but, but, but from a rugby league point of view, I, I'm not a massive fan of getting rid of scrums.
0: I, I tend to agree with you there, Chris. I remember the, the um, Grand Final last year, um, St. Helens with the, the they played a 6-0 split on the scrum and scored on the down the blind side was there, um, yeah. and, and and obviously in, in the NRL now they've now got the you can position where you have your scrum which is good because you know yeah. you have a lot of teams going middle and, and, and some well, teams you're... go straight to the ten and it just creates a whole. You, you
2: see it you see it Dan don't you, you yeah. see from a so from a 50 from from a black dot middle of the post from where that scrum is pretty much every team goes a three and three split yeah and and I and I watched South do it the other day and Latrell L- L- Mitchell just falls out the back of his center so you've got the you've got you know um Reynolds playing on ball if that if that center running a genuine line on the two man he he has to stay on the lead and if if you leave Latrell Mitchell out the back, whether it's a one-on-one or he's got Alex Johnson outside of him, every, every it's time there's going to be an opportunity, you know. So I, I think we've got to really think long and hard if we're going to get rid of scrums. And I know these things are just going to be put in place for 2020 and 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 hopefully not, you know, for the for the preceding years after that, you know, because I, I think it will be a travesty if we got rid of scrums.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's part of the DNA, isn't it? Another thing that yeah. I think as well with the um, just going back to the, the six again, um, and I'd like to get your opinion on this, but mm-hmm. I think that sort of from 2010 onwards, so from 2010 until probably now, we've sort of lost a generation of halfbacks thinking and, yeah. and playing on the ball. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. you know, we've we've created you know, ten years of, of half-backs who uh, are yeah. good to pass and kick. You, know, you look, back yeah. at, I, I watched the the 97 Grand Final, NRL, lived in. You look at Andrew Johns and, and Matty Johns just yep. playing on the ball and, and running at yep. gaps because there's, there's fatigue in the game. So my next option, my next sort of thing that I'd like to see brought in, as well as the six again, is actually a reduction in the amount of interchanges inter- 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 that they can use. Just yeah. Again, just to increase the amount of fatigue in the game, and obviously from a coaching point of view, that's probably your worst nightmare. But <laughs> well, that, well, what
2: what you have to consider, Dan, is, is your recruitment then, and who you who you bring in. Um, yeah. You know, if you let, let's use Salford as an example. You know, Salford signed Seb Sebastini Kivfo, signed Pauli Pauli. You know, if if you have those two on the field. Who are just about two of the biggest human beings you've ever seen. Yeah, you're very you know, Would would Salford necessarily recruit those types of players if these if a if a reduction in the interchange was going to happen, and even this six again rule, you know, because having though you know having bigger bigger immobile men defending next to each other is is just going to be going to be much more difficult to defend. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but no, I, mean, I think the good thing at the minute, and, and it's certainly that pleat of, Peter Landis that's drove this, is that the game's now looking at ways to improve its appearance, which you know I, I'm all for, and I'm sure sort of everyone in the game is because it. It's, I, I won't say it's gone stale, but I think certainly it's it's not progressed as it could have. Yeah, look, the look,
2: the look. I, I think I, I don't I, maybe I don't know if stale's the right word, Dan, but but from my point of view, right, I've watched when I was at Huddersfield, nobody watched more rugby than I do. You know, like. I had a, I did a uh, thing with Sean Wayne a few weeks ago. He invited all coaches to kind of partake in a webinar. And uh, Shane always, uh, Sean always said to me, you "Just you've got to watch games, Chris, and you've got to read stuff, and you've got to do this and do that." But and and he's he's absolutely right. But the thing is, when you watch so many games, it, it almost becomes boring. Everybody is doing the same thing Offen- yeah. offensively. Like every team runs the same shape all of the time, and and. And really, right now, especially in Super League, the Roosters are a little bit different, and, and Manly are a little bit different. But in this, in the Super League competition, it ju- it's just dependent on who has the best players running that shape, and who executes it, executes it the best. Yeah. And for me, for me, um, we've gone away from halfbacks being able to play off the cuff a little bit, and and basically, your halfbacks have always been your most skillful players and your most creative players. So they should they should touch the ball more than anyone and these days now it's probably not it's probably a props that touch the ball more than anyone yeah. you know so there's a there's a balance to everything um I, I think that there are a number of ways that we can get around this but the potential rule changes that they're looking to bring in and that the nrl have already um, taken on board are, are, are exciting definitely for the fans at least
0: yeah oh well, that's great and, and like i said chris i really appreciate coming on um taking your time out um, <clears throat> obviously I'd like to you know, towards the end of the season catch up with you and see how work into getting on if that's okay mate
2: definitely mate my pleasure
0: Dan great stuff take it easy cheers
2: thanks, thank thanks, you for me. cheers
0: Josh cheers uh, so thanks to Chris Foreman for joining us there Josh a bit of a character mate he's uh, been about a bit hasn't he and, and obviously done you know, really well coaching but as a player as well yeah mate uh,
1: good interviewer Sounds like a very nice fella and hopefully we can get Chris back on.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think year. once the uh, the seasons are back up and running and catch up with him, hopefully working to push pushing flat promotion this year as well. So um be good to get him back on. So Josh, what have we uh, what have we got this week, mate? Well,
1: first of all I'll go through the answers of the quiz uh for last week. And then we can obviously crack on from there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so last week the question number one is, can you name the top five transfers in Rugby League? And the top five transfers are Ellery Adley to, uh, to Leeds from Wigan, 250 grand. Martin O'Feyer to win, uh from Witness to Wigan, 440,000. New Love, Bradford to Saints, 500 grand. Stuart Fielding, Bradford to Wigan was 450 grand. And Sam Tonkins from Wigan to... Usually, the Warriors was 700 grand. Crazy it? Crazy winner. Crazy, mate. Mm. Number two, uh, the first ever player to win Man of Steel was uh, David Ward. Number three, who was the first player sent off in a grand final? And that was uh, Ben Flower. Question number four was how many teams have won the Super League grand final? And there's been four teams, and that was Bradford. Leeds, Wigan and Saints. Question number five was, how many teams have won the NRL Grand Final? And this one, Dan, when i when I done this question, I thought uh, this is going to be hard. And it was hard to find the answer, but I think we've got there. And the answers are Sydney Roosters, Melbourne Storm, Brisbane Bron- Broncos, Manly Seagulls, Canterbury Bulldogs, North Queensland Cowboys, St George, Newcastle Knights, Penrith Panthers, West Tigers, South Sydney, and Cronulla Sharks. Shows the difference, doesn't it? Shows the difference. It does, and um, obviously the topic's this week, Donna. We're basically going to do a bit of a Wigan special, aren't we? Really, we're, yeah. we're going to talk a lot about yeah. Wigan. So we'll we'll start off with, uh, Benji Marshall. So Wigan it has been the talks. which also brings our next subject into it which is Hastings to the NRL which is getting spoke up more and more each week if alton to to Canterbury and then Benji Marshall gets dropped, his agent comes out and says there's interest in Super League and then Wigan's there and, and at the door it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out
0: It will obviously the, the next few weeks will be quite telling for Wigan as a, as a club won't they and um... I think we start off on, on Benji Marshall just to, to start off and mate, he's a great player. Um, you know someone who even you know the last couple of years at West Tigers, he's he's changed his game massively from from the highlight the highlight reel that you see on YouTube, but you know as effective as he's ever been, much more controlling player now and um, he's adapted to you know the, the, the recent changes in the rules as well. But um, obviously we spoke quite getting dropped last week, which we thought was a bit unusual, but. Um, I, I don't think for a second that that would be a bad signing for Wigan I think it would be you know, like I said he's a great player and I think that would strengthen him you know, really well and experience as well so as much as you're getting a great player I think, you're getting experience I,
1: mean. I think for myself Dan it's just they lose Hastings and get Benji it's just like for life yeah. Yeah. Benji hasn't got his legs anymore and Benji brings experience where the rugby brain is still there he'll never lose that 100%. His kicking game is probably still there, his passing game certainly is and his the skill level is still there. But each week we see Hastings linked to the NRL and it's gonna happen Dodge because you can't play that well over here and not, not get picked up by anyone. And, I mean you think the most likely place he's gonna land is Canterbury Bulldogs. It's as we spoke before, if if they do sign in they'll have they'll have some team going forward.
0: Hundred per cent and obviously like you mentioned there with was you know, Canterbury. You know, Hastings had, had fit in there like you know, like a glove running. Um another you know, signing Luke Thompson. They've got a bit of a forward pack going there now, obviously, um Haraway and Nara on the the, the left edge. Luke Thompson will you know lead up the middle with Napper, and then obviously you've got Josh Jackson and, and obviously uh, Adam Elliott as well. So you, you know, that's a really good pack for, for someone like Hastings to play off the back of. Um, you know, you've got Hastings with four and Hoppawati, was it, was he, is But Lesnar, but that, that could challenge for, you know, certainly for the playoffs and, and hopefully a, a bit further, but I think Hastings, you know, for them would be that missing link at the minute. I think we could play off the back of that band, me and you, six and 7 off the back of that forward pack. I, I don't <laughs> we think do a job be,
1: <laughs> I don't think it'd be hard to play off the back of that. To <laughs> um, I just, Jackson Hastings, he's he clovering at Salford and no one knew him basically Let, let's be honest we don't get me wrong we knew we knew who he was because he came over with Sydney Roosters when he was a kid well yep. young should uh, and he played with Luttrell Mitchell and the halfbacks and ripped of bits basically we was all saying who's that kid and who's that other kid and it was like Luttrell Mitchell and Hastings and possibly the two biggest names Hastings definitely is the biggest name over here yeah. and Mitchell's the biggest name in the NRL. you could argue couldn't you Obviously, we'll touch up on Mitchell further on and I just hope for Super League's sake we we can keep hold of someone like Jackson Hastings. Obviously, being an Australian lad and stuff like that, it's always... It's easier to make the decisions to go home, but I just hope for the sake of Super League we can keep hold of Hastings over here. Yeah,
0: I think to, to an extent you're right, but at the same time, you know, He's got it comfortable over here compared to what he had over there, didn't he? You know, he, he sort of came over here under a bit of a, a controversy bubble, shall we say? Uh, over here, he sort of had definitely in his own way. Um, I'd be quite interested to see, you know, should he come up against some form of challenge over here, maybe, you know, maybe Wigan going a bit of a slump, or you know, he, he has a bit of an off-field incident, and how he how he handled that, and um, you know, whether that'd be something that would make him go. Yeah, I, I, I. I don't intend to disagree with
1: you, Dan, but I disagree with you. I think he's come up against somewhere over here. I think Salford. When he moved into Salford, mate, you're looking at little old Salford and that little old Salford reached the grand final last yeah. year.
0: Yeah. Purely think,
1: down to him. If, if 100%. To him, 100%. Mate, he, 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 he's, for me, he's proved that he can live up to that. And What you just said there, Dan, I know where you're coming from. we Wigan hit a stump because they're a big team the fans are on the case but for what you've done with Solvay, mate, that proves if Wigan did hit a stump I think he, he probably could pull Wigan out the shit should we say and I just I feel like Kirsten's the type of fellow that he is he he likes the drive so like all the negative comments missing, you just makes him drive that felt further, further forward and Chris touches up in, in the interview that every successful would be player will have that a good family support behind him, but we'll also have the biggest critic, critic. Yeah. And Chris's was his dad, and when he kicked twenty twenty goals and he missed two, his dad turned around and he said, "Why did you miss two? And I think Jackson seems like he buzzes off all all these should we said the critics. Uh, the critics, and I just I feel like I've returned to the NRL cards and I'd watch him very carefully. and I think he'd rip it up, but. I just want him to keep ripping it up over in England instead of losing another top player to the NRL.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I I'd, I'd really like to keep him. Obviously, um, if he did go, Josh, obviously Wigan get Benji Marshall. You know, I, I know you're a big fan of Tommy Lillow. He's not getting any younger. I'm sure he's, you know, this year or next year is going to be his last. What what do Wigan look to do? You know, who, who do they partner? I think
1: it's totally, how old is Benji now? Is
0: I'd say Benji's thirty in 05 he was 18 so that would make him what 33 so he's
1: 33 now yeah so 33 and Tommy Lui is 35
0: yeah there's been a much
1: difference I, I don't know but they, they could keep Tommy Luai for the year mate so I Benji it's a New Zealand partnership
0: it? So would, is that what you do you just go Benji at 6 and, and White at 7
1: I, personally if I was Adrian Landon no I wouldn't yeah Tommy Luai as much as I like him, I don't think he's a half-back, I think he's a nine. Yeah,
0: especially I as think, he's getting on a bit, I think he, he certainly suits the, the nine. I more. think if,
1: if the move did go ahead and Benji did sign for Wigan, I think Benji's French would be right. the one for me. Or
0: uh,
1: Harderke back to 4 Yeah, 100%. Harderke is waste at centre. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think if I was earlier I would look at Benji at six, uh, French at seven He's another playmate, I think. Point to prove over here. He's got so far so good. And I think he'll be ready to go and try and have a pop at the NRL again. Yeah. If, if that opportunity can be I hard.
0: suppose the other option is you've got young Harry Smith there who's playing a bit at the minute, you know, start of the season. I think he played four out of the six games. Um you know, left left sided playing naturally, but you know, was playing on the right this year with Hastings on the left. But you know, he, he's got a great left foot kicking game. And I think you know, from someone like Harry Smith's point of view, to to have a season with someone like Benji Marshall next to him, you know, can't do him any harm. Um, I'm not sure if they have got any other half backs coming through. I think Harry Smith is the one who sort of stands out, but um, I think like like says and stuff, he have been given a go in the past. I think they've not really shown the worth, um, but I think yeah, for me, if 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 I was Adrian Lamb, I'd certainly look at the start of the year to you know play Harry with with Benji Marshall in and see where that got you. Obviously, you've got Lillewey there, who can play a full-team role like no-one else, can't you? Um, And I think that's probably what I'd do. But then, like you said, you've then got the the same dilemma they've got now where Hardacre and, and, and French, one of them's upset. Josh, if you're picking a full-back and you've got Bevan French and, and Zach Hardacre, irrelevant of where you can put you know, the other players, if it's a straight shot out for for the one shirt, who would you give it to? Harder. Do
1: you? Right. For me, he's the best player in open field. He can take a line on, he's strong. For me, French French has got speed, Dan, and we've seen that. But the, the thing is, for is Hardacre's a out and out fullback. We, we've seen how good he was at Cass, the influence he had at Cass, Don't forget, Hardacre, when you play fullback, then you float around. You, you, at Cass, he was floating around left, left side, right side barber left, right, right side at center, uh, block and cruise. So when you play full back you you're not nailed in one position. You you, you basically play off loose shoulder, you loose forward or, or one of the other half backs. It's like an extra half back isn't it and I think yeah. having a hard acronym centre is a complete waste because you can't you can't do that floor around. I think hard can on, on, on a ball from the outside back or from your loose forward, I think it's frightening, and obviously, French has shown the speed and that. But I think French could turn into a player like Johnny Law, should we say could play that position but still turn the line on with Hardacre playing off the shoulder of French and then with Hastings in in that as well. Like that that could be a, a, a scary, yeah, wrinkle.
0: 100%. So, Josh, obviously, them three players, you know, barring Hastings, um, but French for the latter half of last year, and obviously Hardacre. Well, they were both there. Uh, I know. Obviously, you wanted to talk about you know Wigan last year compared to this year. Well, what do you think went wrong with Wigan then last year to to not make the final?
1: Wigan last year, Dandy, I, I I know I crack on about this, and I've said it a few times in the podcast. When you're champions, you're never the same year after. And I think there's a lot of changes that Wigan wasn't the 2018 you uh Sean Wayne goes more successful coach in rugby league. Yeah, over here for me. I think you might hate them with him being at Wigan but it, it, you've got a grin and burn it the fellas will everything he has to offer um, they lost a, a, a half back at George Williams who has built a team the Wigan basically built a team around George and he was basically the main man in the Wigan team then they lost John Baird and new coach comes in and the new coach wants him to try and get playing their way and you've just lost your half back in George Williams uh, uh, sorry George Williams left this year sorry and we'll go on to that in a bit but I've uh, sorry, Adrian now comes in and once George Williams start to play his way where George Williams has been coached from Sean Wayne from a kid up right up to first he was just short. George, Sean Wayne's got George Williams the player he wants him to be and I think the, the difference last year for me was a new coach has come in Dan, and they've just lost Sean Wayne and John Burton and a new coach comes in, he wants to play each where we we all knew the show where, where was rough, rough, them up and down the middle type thing, and off the cuff. But Adrian Mann, I think he he's like more of a, a structured coach, uh, going off what how they've played this year. And I just think last year Wigan, I think they finished second down, um, but they was miles away. Let's be honest, it they, they finishing second never really justified their season, did it really? But there be sixteen points behind Saints and it it was just a write off last year for me. I think last season completely was a write off. I think it was only ever gonna be one team and that was Saints. For Wigan to finish second from where they was showed sure how uncompetitive the season got as the years as it got further into the year. And I just think towards the end, I think they ran out of few Wigan, the semi final against Salford, against us. Everyone was saying they've turned the corner. It, it, it'll be a totally different game. It's a playoff game. And I just turned out and said, they, 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 won't, they won't beat us. I think you could have put anyone in front of us last season in that semi-final of, uh, of the playoffs and the grand final. They're getting to beat met. that. Was, that was Saints' mindset. And I think when Wigan met Saints again, I, I think they, they went a step too far. And then the Salford game the week after showed that it was a step too far for them again.
0: Yeah, it was uh, that that um, semi-final that you mentioned—the one against Saints. I thought the, the first forty minutes was arguably the most, you know, perfect rugby League you've seen in Super League all year. Um, and, and I think it was twenty-six-six half time. Uh, the, the, the game's done, and I think emotionally, Wigan just couldn't sort of recover from that um, within the weekend. And obviously, Salford, who were playing great at the time as well, um, you know, Hastings led them to a twenty. I think. Salford beat them twenty six four or twenty six six in the in, in the semi finals So you know two semi finals consecutively. They just didn't show up, and um, that's to be honest. That it's surprising to say this, but that's not Wigan like, is it? You know Wigan as uh, often over the years they've had very average seasons, but you know come the business end they've been you know the, the best side, and well, and that's happened record, so many times, hasn't it? The record speaks to
1: itself, hundred percent, yeah. I'll be honest now, it, it, when you look at Wigan's records, every two years. They'll win a grand final. Yeah, The year after, they're always poor. The year after that, they win a grand final. So it's a, it, 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 the sequence is every two years. 2014, they got there and got beat. 20, 2015, they got there and got beat. 2016, they won it. But, yeah, 2016, they won it. 2017, they never got there. 2018, they won it. 2019, they never got uh, 2020. I, I, I'll hold my hands up. I think they will win it this year. Mm. I think look
0: we'll good for it. Yeah,
1: they look good for it. They couldn't squad, mate. You've just got to look at the squad. I think the back line is, is up there with the best. I think the props, that they're slacking the props. I think that could be the only downfall to them, but I think they've got just got enough there to get them over the line this season. I think, and I, I, I do think Wigan will lift the grand final this year and be champions again but then uh, next year I, I, like I said it, it'll be a, a poor year again for Wigan and then uh, 2022 they'll, they'll be up there again and it, it, it seems to be that sequence like the even years <laughs> it, 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 yeah it's weird though mate isn't it oh like it is that sequence where you look at Saints they got that every year alright they never won it every year and then he didn't get there for five years and then they got there and they won it. You look at Saints done our record at the Old Trafford before two thousand fourteen was five defeats on the box. Yeah, yeah. Our last two visits to Old Trafford have been two wins. And, and you, you look at that record and you think, Well, what record would you have and have? Would you rather get there every year and get beat but win it every two years or would you rather get there every set four years and, and win it. I would definitely rather do what we're gonna do if you get with me yeah. as a fan. Um but another thing with Wigan as well Dan is transfers over the years I think they could have done a lot more to keep players. Um shall we say it? I think they, they bow down to too easy to clubs. I, I know we're talking as Saints fans here and the Saints have just basically sold Luke Thompson for get some money in and stuff like that, but Saints transfer transfers over the years speak for themselves. Luke Thompson's the first player leave Saints to the NRL since James Gray. Yeah. Saints has then fought off competitive teams for Alex Walms and James Roby, your Kean Cunningham's, to your Tommy Merkson's, your
0: Mark Persson. Well just in the last just in the last three years alone we've managed to keep making some Warmsley. Um, Percival and obviously Lomax from going to Union That that's just thing three, and, three I, I, th- I think if a club like Saints can do it
1: why can't Wigan do it yeah and it, obviously I, I look at that and think the only difference is Saints on the ground and Wigan don't so Wigan I've got to pay £480,000 per year rent at the DW and you think that, that's a lot of money but each year i, I It'd be interesting to see how much Saints actually pay out their own club to maintain the ground, because Saints rents the facilities out and they have the football playing. Well, that's, and, uh, it
0: becomes a, uh, an, it, an income rather than an expenditure, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and um, obviously Saints still need to pay out for the ground, but what Saints probably earn in, in income for the ground probably just goes out and pays for the maintenance on the ground. 100%, I yeah, 100%. And I think that could be Wigan's biggest... Problem is they haven't got their own ground. And I think if we had their own ground, I think they'd be able to fight and try and keep fires on. them I just I don't really know because they've got a brilliant academy system.
0: I was going to touch on that. So obviously, you know, one of the, the things that allows them to to sort of let these players go is you know this chain of players. And you look across the league, and the amount of you know Saint Helens and Leeds probably secondary, but. Wigan sort of lead the way in terms of the amount of players that are spread across the league that have come through that Wigan system Um, and and that's something that they pride themselves on you look at Oliver Gildart, Liam Marshall a lot of that back line at the minute has has come through that academy, Um, even Havard's a a forward who's coming through at the minute obviously Morgan Smith they're just just constant constant players, every year you get three or four players who just seem like they've been playing for three or four years don't they and um, I think it's something that I think a lot of clubs need to. What well, Warrington annoy me for, for for this reason because Warrington, uh, are a flagship club in terms of they're everything at the same time in terms of the under one stadium, um, consistently compete at the top of the division, get to finals, not always winning but they get to the finals. Um, but then I, I, I can't think of many Warrington players that have come through that system. I really can't. I, I...
1: To be fair, we done yet at Aigre, and Wiggins Academy is, is phenomenal. You've just got to look at the Academy Grand Finals over the recent years and how many times they've won. And obviously, you, you, you've hit the nail on the head. The, always had the mentality of we can sell a play in a win, we've got one coming up. Yeah. Which, yeah, it, it's right, but surely you'd rather keep your homegrown talent as well as bring another one up so they can play together.
0: Yeah, 100%. That's it.
1: Harry Smith, for example, and George Williams, imagine being a Wigan fan, Wigan coach, two Wigan lads, and you're playing for your own town club, you're winning, you're winning finals, you think, where are, them, where are you 6 or 7 from? They're both English and they're both from Wigan, it, it, it's massive, That that is massive for rugby league in general, never mind just Wigan, just the whole world talent they produces is ridiculous, and the, the players that do produce are ridiculously good as well, and, over the past has proved that and like you just said then the back line of Wigan is is, is probably just a, a, a academy lad isn't it really and Morgan Smithies for me is the best second row over here with, up there with, I put him up there with Morgan yeah I, know, I was going to say
0: that though. it's hard you've to split the two
1: isn't it? you've got Oli Partington coming up I think the, the only thing I see in Ollie myself is, is a bit Bit too aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. not too aggressive because I don't think you can be a good too aggressive. But
0: lack of discipline.
1: stupid stu- Yeah, stu- stupidity will take over in Ollie and like What I mean by that is like he'll get smashed or he'll smash someone and his head's in the face of the player and then before you know it, he's given a penalty away because he's he's got that emotional He's he's put his head in the player's face and he's the player. The other player fighting to get up and he's, he's been penalised for holding, down or interference. I don't get it wrong, Dad. I like the way Ollie plays his game. I think he's up in the faces. He lets him go, look at, her. and then the 19, or 20, or 21 year old, and I'll, I'll smash you. Yeah. I've got, I've got no respect for you, and well, he has got respect for you, but I, I, you've got to show a bit of respect for me. He's thing and I love that about his game. Where Morgan Smith is, mate. I think it's, uh, I pro probably not seen a better player the since Morgan come through, but it's moulded into this Andy Farrell Sean O'Loughlin type player I think if Wiggy can keep holding him there I think that that is massive that is one player that
0: if Ozzy, was Ian in and Adrian Lab, I'd
1: want to tie down on a long term deal
0: 100% yeah they've got to he'll um, it, be the next one that I think the Aussies are looking at And um, again come back to this Josh just to, to sort of touch on it a bit is the the sort of reemergence of the, the the ball playing loose forward, you know. Obviously, you know, we think back to the you know the Skullthorpe days and Andy Farrell days, and, and like a sort of carried that on. But uh, f- f- in the main, the loose forwards in the Super League and, and in the NRL until the last couple of years have been just another prop, haven't they? Essentially, you you know, yeah, they have just got to look just at just like mate. yeah. Then Murdoch myself, yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: Did they ever use them as a ball? They? No, exactly
0: right. They were running from there. It was
1: running. it was a short ball or. It is the ball and run, and I think it, it, Morgan Smith is there. He's massive. Morgan Dawes is massive.
0: Stevie Ward's another one. Steve, he's oh, just mate. The Stevie ball mate. Ward
1: is 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 unreal at doing what he does. I just feel like James Grave Was it the weekend or the weekend before where he played loose forward? Yeah, no,
0: he's been playing See, week. James, yeah, he's been playing loose forward last couple
1: uh, of weekends. And, and it's going to be interesting. With, obviously, it's a done deal. He's, he's coming home and. It'd be interesting to see where he actually plays at Saints because why would you move your Morgan Dolles type play from that position so Java could play that for six months? I, I don't know, but yeah, I I totally agree that the ball playing is definitely coming back, but also what I don't on that is what you done when it was in when Paul School Park was playing Andy the is like playing Paul School Park. Paul Scuford playing half-back for great Britain Yeah. Long. yeah, you know, because we never had that decent half-back to play with along but Paul Scuford was good with his hands and I think that's one reason we never really matched the Aussies in that compartment I think the props were, we've got better props than the Aussies I, I, I'll hold my hands up I, I think we have I think it's just the backs we lack the back line the back line is absolutely frightening I don't know current squads and stuff like that it'd be hard to match their back line but I think the back line we, we just lack a bit and I think 6 or 7 if we get a 6 or 7 absolutely nailed in we could put a few games with the bounce playing together for England Yeah, and a back line nailed in I think we we could go on in it with a ball playing 13 within that as well in Morgan Smithies I think it, it could be massive
0: Yeah I agree with you massively mate and um... You know, you think about the the way the Roosters play, for instance, and, and you know, Carey and, and Kyle Flanagan, their half-backs, they, obviously they've moved away from that Cooper Cronk-style halfback, whereby you've got a complete controlling player and they've now got Victor Radley who, who uses the ball a lot around the middle and what it allows, you know, Carey and Flanagan to do is when they get the ball, you know, they're at three and four man and they're allowed to run the ball a bit more because they've got Victor Radley who's essentially doing a lot of the ball play from the middle um, and, and that also allows... Um, to to play on the back of, you know, short side players and that sort of thing because he doesn't have to be a ball player because you've already got three ball players. And I think again, if you if you look at England for instance, if we had you know a Morgan Knowles or a Morgan Smith, playing that loose forward role. It allows you to play Lomax and Williams together because you don't need a controlling halfback. And then you know, see, so you can play Lomax at six, Williams at seven if you wanted to, or you, you can play Danny Richardson or Jake Truman. With one of them and put Lomax at the back, can't you? It just allows you to, you, know, you don't, you're not reliant on a controlling half back. You can play, you know, two essentially standoffs with, you know, a ball playing middle and a running fullback, maybe like a Um it That ball playing loose forward just allows you to, it, it, you can do what you want if you've got a ball playing loose forward. You can play the game however you want, and 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 you can be effective in doing that. I think.
1: It's not just that as well, Dan. If, if you've got a, a ball play loose forward as, as well as two good halfbacks, if you're a defensive team and you you know that team's got a, a ball playing that loose forward as well, you, you you're not just looking after the two halfbacks there. You? You're looking after three ball playing players. Yeah. And if you've got a prop who can also tip it on as well, you you've got that in your head. So if you're a defensive line and you've got, for example, you've got. Uh, George Williams and Johnny Lomax with Morgan Smithies in an England shirt, with Luke Thompson, Alex Warmsley, and Josh Ogson in the middle. You think, wow, where's this ball going to go? If it if it goes to the left side, they've got Lomax and Morgan Smithies. If it goes to the right, they've got Thompson with George Williams and a couple of more ball players with Zach Hardek, You could throw Hardik in there. It's very even which way. If you go left or right, it's still quality. So for, for, you've got to be defensively switched onto the match. Really, you can't have like the odd like oh well, Johnny and all that's on the left. It's gonna go left. Uh, you, you, it opens a lot of options where you can go left or right any time, think.
0: Yeah, no, it does. And and the other thing it does is even just that little tip on players, you know, around the rock. It, it you know instead of just going you know straight off the rock and, and and five yards away. From the, the previous tackle, if you, you know, just that little tip on it, it just moves the defense around that a little bit more. And like you said, it gives them ball players that bit of time, doesn't it? Um, and then obviously another one I wanted to mention to you was was obviously the um, the obviously you mentioned the academy there of, of Wigan. What well, what is it you think that Wigan do different to to the other teams that allow them to create so much you know, quality players? Is there anything that you think they're doing that other clubs aren't potentially?
1: I don't know. There's obviously something there, Dan. Because um, they, they create the most talent in rugby, rugby league over here. Uh, they've won the most grand finals in that level. I think saints probably problem is the the quick to judge a player. If your face doesn't fit, type thing, then out the door I think um, I think Warrington's never actually got to that standard but I think they're getting there slower with Lee Breeze is massive on academy mate, yeah, yeah, I tend to agree with what Lee said a few weeks back about scholarships should be scrapped and you should have a talent team because like Lee said players are getting picked up at 15 or whatever it is, Dan, and if is they're getting Told, or oh, you're not good enough at 16 17 to then go away, decide, and they think oh, I'm turning back to my league. But if you get picked up by a town team, you're not on a scholarship yet, you're still representing your town, but you, you're not, you've you're you not. not got your mind on oh, I'm at Saints, look at me, I'm at Saints, and you, all right, you're playing for the town team and it, it, you're high, but if you, you're also not going to get Shall we say I kicked into touch and in a click of the fingers and he was interested in the game, you're always gonna be within that team type thing. I think with Wigan I think Wigan they give them time, down Uh I think they, they treat them all uh, i said say the same a lot saying other clubs don't, but I think they treat them all the same. They look at them all as the same people and <laughs> I don't know really, Dan, because we're not behind the scenes, are we, and stuff like that. But I'd like, to, I, I think, just going off what I think, I think they're treated just the, the same as everyone at the club. They, they don't judge players quick. They give them a chance more yeah. than anything. I think you look at Saints and Warrington, the most of overseas players decide it doesn't give academy players a chance, does it, really, Let, let's be honest? Matty Asher, for example. At Saints. Uh, more than good enough. Right? He's doing it. He's killing it at Whitefield. So why wasn't he good enough at Saints? Yeah. You look at Dan and I. I not really like to say that. I just think they're treated the same and they actually get given a chance more than anything.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think the the other thing though know is is obviously Leeds as well. I think Leeds are very similar in in what they do, but I think the difference with Leeds is they. They've sl- had to for me. Sorry, Leeds have had Leeds have had to do hundred percent. They have, yeah. Well, especially following twenty fifteen when they lost pretty much not fifty percent of old the salary. Probably, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think what what's different about Leeds is they've got access to pretty much the whole Yorkshire, haven't they? They're, they're the number one choice in Yorkshire for any kid who wants to to play professional rugby. In terms of they're the the flagship club, St. Allen's Wigan, Warrington, witness, they've they've got a much harder challenge I think because you know for, for instance if you're a kid in witness like you know Harry Smith for instance or Danny Richardson you know you're a five minute drive away to you know St. Ellen's Week in Warrington whatever it may be that you know, you're not necessarily just going to your direct town so there's a lot more competition whereas I think if you're in Castleford and 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 you're progressing well I think it's you're going to get picked up by Leeds. It just becomes evident. You know, Rob Burrow was a, a, a Ponty frat lad. Right, Ca- yeah. Playing yeah, at Castleford, and then Leeds come along and pick you up, and you're gone. Um, so, I, I think, think the, yeah. the Orchard Club's challenge is, is essentially stopping Leeds, tapping into their talent. But, I suppose Leeds, the reason Leeds are probably so good is because they, you know, they can essentially cherry pick, can't they? I
1: think, Scrap the scholarships and just bring town teams back. That's it, mate. I that. On. I think you'll see a lot more on-ground talent than mm. if you get what I mean. They don't have to travel to Saints or you don't have to travel to one. They can stay at Witness and the players with a talent team basically. And that I don't think I've got anything more to add from Wigan. Dad, I've, I've never spoken about Wigan as much. It's, <laughs> of it's not
0: nice, is it?
1: Brushing teeth after this. <laughs> it's. Uh, I just go on to the next topic and I know we're, we're gutted, but Zeb say confirmed he's going down.
0: Yeah, not a shock, is it? And obviously we, no. we spoke about it last week, saying that we expected it. Um, yeah, great servant, great player. I think probably time is right. I think he said as much himself, but um, I think retiring at the end of this year is the, the perfect time. I still think he'll have a great year. He's no worse now than he was next year, but I think to ask him to go around again next year would have been a, a bit of a, you know, a a tough step tough, a tough step for him so yeah for, for me great timing. and and obviously you know Joel Thompson who we spoke about last week's so an ideal replacement and um, obviously I I text and you
1: your words were do you think <laughs> I think Zebs going back on Dan. but yeah, think... yeah 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 a, a year with a goal cost. I would not be surprised if it if it did happen,
0: especially with who's coaching him.
1: And obviously, but, he... exactly, right. I mate. Mean, you know what? It wouldn't be a bad move would it. Like, let's be honest. They, they've, they've just lost our for next year, and Zeb, I, I'm not saying he could play that loose forward position, but he's he must be good to have around. And yeah. he's played under Holbrook. Holbrook's made him a thousand times better in the way he plays his game. Yeah. So maybe it's a bit of bit of love there for Zeb as well, and a bit of love for Albert because he's coached him and one last stint in the NRL for Zeb
0: before Young's debut. And obviously for Ash Taylor as well. I know obviously you you've been a fan of Ash Taylor for a while, haven't you? Um, On and off, yeah. Well, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, but for I think for his game, it'd be good as well to have that sort of you know steady head at the side of him in in Zeb um that can only be good. You know, you look at what he's done for Johnny Lomax to have Zedter Taylor outside of him. Um their combination's pretty strong as well. So I think he's a half dream. So yeah, I think Ash Taylor would come on as well for it. And obviously the season seems
1: the football's back now, and I've never watched anything as boring in my life. That I game last night derby yesterday. Shocking. minutes in my life I'd never get back. And, and to be fair, we don't, not just that game, every game. Every game's a bit boring. It? It's not been the same. And the Super League just keep dragging and dragging it out. And it, it's coming up in the media now. Clubs are frustrated with the RFL and Super League because nothing's getting mentioned. So the clubs are putting pressure on them now. And stuff seems to be speeding up a bit. We've got a date, the 15th of August, return date. But then we've also got five clubs, of course, that said. We can use our ground for neutral venues, and that was Leeds, ourselves, and Saints, Salford, Warrington, and Huddersfield Field, mean, I'm beginning to see a lot of light at the end of the tunnel, before to be fair. Yeah. But another thing, what I haven't heard much of, and obviously we've had Chris Farnham and on, who's a League coach of is it League One? Yeah, yeah. we've Not heard much about League One, the Championship, and that that's worrying to be fair with you, Dan, because without the lower teams, you can't have a, a, a top
0: team, really, can you? Yeah, I think the problem they've got is it's purely financial. You know, the, Their games, obviously when Supli comes back, it's been you know, whispered that all games will be on Sky um, behind closed doors, so you're going to have... I don't believe that for a second. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I can't see how they're going to work it, but... Unless the football's finished. When, when does the football finish, Dan? It's going to be... A, Literally the following week, I think that's how um, Sky have timed it. Uh, sorry, how Super League have timed it. That it's the week no, after no. Premier League finishes where Super League starts. So, yeah, I think you're right there.
1: I don't think what you've just said then, the way Sky have timed it, to be fair with I think it's Sky pulling the string. 100% is, mate. Right? Super, Super League and the RFL have got to use the heavy you it. Know? They've got to think this season for me could have started two weeks back.
0: Yeah, it could. It, <laughs> To, to government guidance, it could have started the exact same time as football, couldn't
1: it? So, 100% there. So, it's Sky pulling the string, Sky turned around think. Listen, but, but you want to be able to tell you, have got to wait till the football season finishes.
0: And uh, I'm happy with that. I'll be honest, I'm happy with that. Yes. Yeah, uh, it's got to be great club With the games out on telly, the clubs aren't making money. So, it's.
1: I, 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 get, I, 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 get, I get that, but. By the sounds of it, Dan, clubs just want to be up and running again. back playing. Yeah,
0: they do. 100%
1: they do, yeah. I think the more it drags on, the more frustrated people are going to get. And I just I just hope the 15th of August, Dan, is, is the cemented death. And Obviously, this week, we're supposed to actually know. The, Thursday, the, the, yeah. The, the, There's an announcement yeah, the, on Thursday. Going go. and it, it's going to be neutral venues at all. Is it worth playing at neutral venues at all? I don't get that. Why can't they just use the old grounds type thing? And I, I, I don't. If it's Leeds Saint Salford Warrington to the Huddersfield why should Wigan play? For example, Wigan play Leeds at Saints. Well, I, I, it's stupid in my eyes because you're getting Wigan to another team from another town to travel to another town. Yeah, surely that's more of a risk of in, of infection than. Wigan traveling to the DW, and Leeds just traveling straight to the DW. That instead of both traveling out of the towns to go to one stadium, I just I think neutral venues. I don't see why you need it. To be fair, because there's no fans anyway. I just I don't know what your point is on that, man.
0: Yeah, as long as every ground can facilitate the controls that are needed. So I know in the NRL you've got um, they have like. Um, clean zones and, and, and all this different stuff so obviously I think the NRL have got six stadiums where games are being played out at the minute but they've all got like clean zones where you go to be temperature checked before you can go into the changing rooms which is when you can increase the amount of contact with people and, and, and all this random stuff but I suppose that's what they're, they're trying to filter out is them stadiums so for instance Castleford were without saying I've, I've been in every room in Castleford because I haven't but I can't see Castleford having safe rooms because there's nothing safe about that stadium the toilets at the toilet back of the way
1: and the porter exactly, cabinet yeah, at exactly. the top that's probably the cleanest room in Castleford
0: there's only clubs right at that post <laughs> yeah it is, it is so I think that, that that's the thinking behind it but I agree I, I can't see why they can't you know Add these facilities into the stadium so that every team can just play the home ground, like you said. I don't think they need to have these pre-made, you know, a a little a marquee outside the ground where they can do temperature checks would be suffice. So, yeah, they they can they can make things a lot better than just having random stadiums, like you said. I agree with you.
1: Obviously, we'll go on to the next subject, and you know my point on this, and it's Wayne Bennett protecting his players again. Um, I, I. Put it out on Twitter saying that's why he's, he's been so successful in my eyes because he protects his player. Um, We're we'll talking about this when video, well, uh, video and, and pictures emerge of uh, Latrell Mitchell crying after the game and after the selfs win, and obviously Bennett surrounded said it, it's an only your business to the media. Which I love that, but I don't think there's anything Latrell Mitchell must have, when he's. Watch that interview or scene or whatever, and he's he's heard his court so hard uh it's none of your business. That must be, you know, what what a man. And he's my coach Yeah, he, he's defending me like that. I think
0: It's it's brilliant that. when I seen it, obviously the the, the interview because it, it was on Twitter at first. I came across it on Twitter and I thought, what's this? I'd, I'd quit quick And 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 you look at the child. He's he's obviously distressed about something there, whether it be just. The emotion of you know playing well because he's been under so much pressure. It could be something, at home. whatever it is. You can see he's clearly distressed. Um, why do you know the public need to know what that is? If if you come home from work one day and you have a cry, the public don't get to hear about it. And and, and that's life, isn't it? You know, people have up and down days, and um, you know you've got to allow people to deal with emotions, however they are. Just because they're on camera after a rugby game crying doesn't give the public the right to, to know what's going on. Um, but I think what it also did, the Wayne Bennett sort of reaction to it, it just sort of, I think every, like, not just Latrell Mitchell, obviously you mentioned Latrell Mitchell, they thinking, that's my coaching. You know, the, the trust must go through the roof for Latrell Mitchell. But for every other player in that changing room, or every other player who's ever coached by Wayne Bennett, it, it he, he becomes a safe haven for him, doesn't he? And, um, you know, the there's all there's automatic trust that you know that whatever you tell your coach is going to stay, you know, within those four those four walls, and that that's how it should be. I, I'm not a fan of having um, cameras in changing rooms for that reason. The changing rooms is a bit of a sacred place, and um, there's things said and and done in there which you know, shouldn't be shouldn't be seen, and and even over here, you know, even as a fan, I, I don't want to see it. There's nothing interesting about looking inside a changing room. You don't get anything out of it, and. Um, I think it's you know an invasion on the the players personally.
1: It it's the dangerous heart of the media because they could get over that Dan. And I, I'm surprised I've not seen stories. Latrell cries. He's unhappy at South. Sort hundred percent. Yeah, get yeah. into it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, he's young. He is still young, and he's he's a frightening player, Dan. And. The media are killing it. They are yeah, yeah, absolutely. They've done hard, it before,
0: didn't. the the, the, the um, Australian media. How many players have you seen? You know, Jared Haynes, Jared Hayne before he went to the NFL, yeah. they ruined him massively. And when ben, he came Bradbury,
1: back... ben Barber. Ben Barber. Yeah, they, 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 are, they just can they because they know the good players, but they're also weak. Yeah, and and I would not say the trial is weak. But everyone cries. Everyone's got a right to cry. Yeah. Everyone's got a right to be depressed. Everyone's got a right to have ups and downs in life. And obviously, lo- lockdown's been and he's had, he shouldn't have moved from uh, from Sydney Roosters to South Sydney and he's killed his career. His career will be over within two, three years because he's not a fullback. He, he's, he's not good enough to be a fullback. And you know what? He, he, for me, he's getting better each week yeah. at fullback. And, that was possibly the best game he's played against. Oh, 100%. 100%. Again. The, 100%. Fallback, um, the emotions probably just build up in South. I mean, but then tears me were probably anger, more than anything. Anger and revealed that, look, how much do I need to prove myself before the media turn answer? Look, he, he, he can do it. You know what I mean? I feel for, for the travelling. his family as well, mate. Like... He, they always draw family into it, and the, the bad, the other media, they're absolutely terrible for it. Yeah. I just, I'm so glad they've got coaches like Wayne Bennett who will come out and stand tall, over the media and say, it's none of your business.
0: Yeah, that, that, that That's massive. to me, it's a message for you know every coach. If you've got players that are you know vulnerable, that it needs to be kept that way, doesn't it? And kept in house, obviously, that will we'll finish
1: off with Jammer's coming home by the looks things we found out last week and obviously me and you was texting and it was quite late when we found out the news and he texted me and was it. I was up all night thinking Jammer's coming home and then <laughs> we've seen how long the contract will be and stuff like that by the looks of it it's just a six month contract and I don't think we'll get Jammer to see Jammer play in a stadium <laughs> which is also Emotional as well, but it's emotional for him to come home then and finish off where it all started.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the, the one thing I like about this Josh is he, he didn't need to come home. Um, you know, if he decided that he just wanted to you know, play out the rest, which is all he's doing. You know, he's he's not playing next year, so he's obviously made the decision that you know he's, this this year is it. You know, he's contracted to Saint George. He could quite happily you know finish the year at Saint George, um, and, and that's that. But. Essentially, what he's done is he's he's told his agent that, you know, thanks for your time, but, you know, I, I don't need you anymore. He's then gone to St. George and said, I, I, I want to go home, and, and I've I'm, I'm finished my career at St. Helens, and these are the reasons why. He's obviously had contact with Mike Rush, and it's it's it it's been very easy negotiations from what what you can gather, and it's just been a case of, you know, you know you've got a space for there. Luke Thompson's not there sign on a contract and I'll I'll come and finish my career and phew, he's probably not even on an awful lot of money to be honest so you know, he's doing okay, it yeah. he's doing it for the love of the club and, and you know as fans we can't not like that can we
1: don't forget the pay cut as well that, 100% yeah you know I'm I just happy I mean and the way he's talking about the the move as well he's got unfinished business and yeah, I've, I've got a lot more to prove and you think I like that Imagine the boost you'll have going into that dressing room looking at him and thinking, this jammer, Normally, this you know I mean? Despite in that dressing room so you've probably watched him play for Saints. You know what I mean? What and they're now playing with him. But he's been the best prop in the game for years and I just think it's massive. It, it's obviously we've not got the jammer of two thousand and twelve when he left or the the two thousand and sixteen James Graham or stuff like that, but the legs are still working the rugby brain is still there the hands are still working the experience is still there it's massive
0: Yeah and obviously the other thing James Graham he's played in eight grand finals and won one um, which for a player of his stature that that record doesn't sit right at all does it Um, he, he won his first ever grand final he then lost five on the run with us went over to Bulldogs and lost a couple Um so you know, you'd like to see him go out winning, wouldn't you? That would be the perfect send up, wouldn't it, mate? Yeah. yeah.
1: Graham and Robbie won last Truck time.
0: Truck and trailer.
1: Grand final win. <laughs> James, Probably going for then? James Green. Last-minute try, grand final 2019. Yeah. Or, or should we say January twenty twenty? Yeah, for, probably November January. next year it'll be on. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I hope he's took that into consideration. The season hasn't started till August, so <laughs> when does the six month start? You have
0: four six month contracts <laughs> Yeah,
1: we'll, we'll sign you up, James. But you're on a ten year six month contract. <laughs> <laughs> James Graham's still playing, still on his six month deal at forty five. At St. time, get the a team back together. Why don't we get the yeah, well off back? Why don't we back, get Wilson yeah. back? Give it right, give it Ricey time this season, <laughs> yeah. Give it, give it, Ricey. Uh, get Kyle Eastman back, Josh Perrett. Let's, let, let's move back to Widness and let's give it a shot. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm playing at
0: Widness yet with all
1: these neutral venues. In the room. I, I know yeah, Widness has got the facilities, hasn't it? Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, 3G pitch,
1: you're have just, 20 games on there. Oh, 20 games, and it, it won't rip up one bit. <laughs> I don't think the players will be happy at all. No, the skin on the, the,
0: the, the knee, will. Tommy Eckersen won't play again. Oh, so exactly. Him play and Johnny. Witness. Johnny as well. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, just, I just don't like it in this tunnel scene now, 15th of August.
0: That's it, mate. We're anymore. getting there now. It's what? what four weeks... Uh, eight weeks away, so honestly we we speak. Christ, that seems a long time out, but Eight weeks? Don't say that. No, then. A couple of months. A couple months, of yeah. months, Yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> August. Is, is but better. not to the place back isn't. in training. You know, probably this time next month they'll start heading back into training. Um and that's when you'll really start to you know see the things on the way back and you know, people yeah. will start looking at fixtures, the betting will be up and you know, you'll be discussing, you know, we'll be on air discussing what what teams will recover well from lockdown and you know how much weight would George Burgess to put on and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, going off when his brother said, Sam here. It's the fittest of sin,
1: George. Wow, I won't like seeing unfit George then, Sam. That was a That was a His first it. game, mate, I thought, the fittest is sinning. I won't like to see him unfit. Yeah. I think
0: you've got to put it down to That kit's a poor fit, I think.
1: Three stone overweight for me, Danny's going to be five stone overweight. Not <laughs> He's right.
0: not going to look good. He's not, He's not mate. But not is a lot of players. Uh, 100%, think, mate. Um, the first, I think, the first four weeks are going to be bizarre to watch because
1: we've been bizarre to watch since January. Dan. Well,
0: yeah, five draws. It'll suit
1: us. This of fluid, this attacking flute be too. <laughs> We're playing like the first team. What's going on? <laughs> You know, in fact, we first even forward them out a bit more. I, I just I, <laughs> I, I just hope that can get addressed and we can give Jammer the, the send-off he deserves. Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed.
0: Anything that you want to go through, Josh?
1: Yeah, I've just got a quick quiz, done. Oh, uh, go for it, mate, go for it. It It's a bit random, the quiz, because there's a lot of 2019 questions and then I've gone from 2019 to 1997. Jeez, go on then. 1999, so, question number one is Who scored the first try in 2019? So, who was the first player to score in the, the season? Try? Okay. Yeah, the season. Yeah, yeah. Number two, Who gave the most penalties away in the 2019 season? Question number three, Who made the most offloads in the 2019 Super League season? Question number four, Who kicked the most drop goals in the 2019 Super League season? Question number five. Who won the Man of Steel in 2009? Question six. Who was the top try scorer in 1997? Question number seven. Who made the most tackles in the 2010 Super League season? Question number eight. Who won the Man of Steel in 1989? Question number nine. Who won the Young Player of the Year in two thousand and twelve? And question number ten. Who was the top top try scorer in the two thousand and six Super League season? Um, that's the question. I, like that. that. I know. I
0: like that. There's a lot of numbers, but yeah, no, I like that. Nineteen, mate. I think I'd nineteen eighty seven. wasn't even bad. I think I reckon I've got nine. And then. Shoot! In
1: fact, should should we give it a go? Come on, then. Question number one. Go. On, let's do it. Who scored the first try in the two thousand? 19 Super League season. Nick Garma? Yeah, there's one point. Question number two Who gave the most penalties away in the 2019
0: season? Penalties, tough on that. Uh, I'm going to say Morgan Smithies. Eddie Batter. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Question
1: number three Who made the most offloads in 2019? Mike Cooper. Thought, oh, damn, I fight! Where he have got this?
0: Was it like Cooper? No, one more. Liam Watts. Yes. Right, yeah, Watts, yeah. yeah. Oh, good man. Be, <laughs> Friend of the we'll still. Be for, <laughs> we'll be, we'll be texting him for casting. <laughs> Question number four.
1: Who kicked the most rock goals in 2019? Sneed. Yeah. yeah. No, you, you've got to say it proper, Dad. Sneed. <laughs> <laughs> number five. Who won? The Man of Steel in 2009. Brett He's one of my, yeah, my favourite yeah, players. good player, Brett What What a player. Yeah. Till he went Warrington. Yeah. Number six. he was the top try scorer in 1997?
0: <laughs> I was thinking back. I've got a feeling it's Anthony Sullivan. Nigel Vang, uh, Wagner. Or well, however you Ah, uh, yeah. Number seven.
1: he made the most tackles in 2010? Danny Owen in two thousand and
0: ten. Is that go you know for Danny Owen.
1: In fact, no. Let me let me rethink. I'll let me rethink. <laughs> um, what Danny Houghton. Alwin's career only started in two thousand and sixteen? Uh, Robert? Dallas Johnson. Dallas Johnson. Yeah. Oh, Kat- was it
0: Catalan? I think was it Catalan. Yeah. 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 Number eight.
1: Who won the Man of Steel in 99? And I think if you don't get this done, I think he's he's fell out. Adrian Vowles, good friend.
0: Mark. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, good friend. <laughs> Number nine, who won the young of the year in 2012? I don't know if it was that early year before, but I'm
0: going to say Johnny Lomax. Exactly.
1: Was it? Yeah, Lomax was 11 then. Yeah. Number 10, who was the top try scorer in 2006? Ed Gardner.
0: Justin Murphy Justin Murphy Christ I've not done very well in this Josh at all
1: I forgot you got Kevin DeGarne you got Liam Watts you got Mark Speed, you've got Bettson you've got one, two, three, four, you got 5 out
0: of 10 oh <laughs> god um, I'm guessing there's plenty of people who can beat that so let us know your scores at Quiz Rugby and uh, see how many you beat me by because that's poor effort that I'm disappointed <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad
1: I'm the one who does the questions. Yeah, I'll do, you answers, I'll do yours next week, actually.
0: I'll do you one next week. It's, uh... <laughs> it's been good again, Dan, I think. It has, mate, yeah. Yeah, really good, obviously. Uh, really appreciate Chris joining us early on. Um, a good on this, man. Yeah, really good, mate. And what we're doing next week, obviously, myself and Josh spoke about this before. Um, we're going to basically go through the Super League teams the current Super League teams and, and just sort of discuss and, and give our answers for who we think the best overseas signing's been. i um, we spoke quite briefly before just for a couple of teams, but um, just in the history of Super League, so from you know now to 96, um, which player come over from Australia, New Zealand, France or whatever has, has made the most impact to the club. So we'll do that. And we'll, and we'll also do, you know, the current squads, you know, which... Foreign importers had the you know the most impact. Joshua, well, two for each club. Is that right, mate? Yeah, yeah. So the the more the best place to make an impact overall. Yeah, and then
1: in the current squad. Yeah, yeah that, that that's fine. I I mean, that think I think you've seen a lot more than me. Obviously, I was born in ninety nine, so. You've seen a little bit more than
0: me. Got before. seven years on you. It'll it,
1: it, be different, no, there. That, It'd be interesting cool to see. That's it, it
0: man. That's it. interesting. And obviously, we'll 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 tweet this out as well to say this is what we're going to do. So, um, you no, know, listeners, you know, get involved, tweet us, and let us know your clubs. So, if you're whole KR fan, let us know you know which whole KR players, past and present. You know, foreign imports have made the biggest impacts on you, and. uh We'll discuss them and we'll see if we can get them you know, as close to the fans as possible. Um, but yeah, awesome. for now, again, we really appreciate listening. Make sure you like and subscribe. Um, but for now, Josh, I appreciate your time, mate.
1: Yeah, cheers, Dan. Just to touch up, Dan, on, uh,
0: we'll
1: obviously be we, we tweeted out about a, a raffle for Steve Best yes, yeah. We will uh, start to get that together in the next two weeks. Yeah. And hopefully we can make it a continuous thing to see how successful it actually is and different charities so if if you do have a charity as well if you're quite close to it or you feel like it's a good charity for rugby league and stuff like that at, at Quiz Rugby is where we, we'd like to hear your thoughts of any charities you want to put forward and hopefully we can get some money into these charities through the, the tough times it, it's
0: been Definitely, yeah, and, and obviously, you know, we'll we'll try and get it on the podcast as well. If you've got a charity that's normal, we'll get one. We'll try and get someone from Steve Prescott Foundation as well next week. Hopefully, Josh. yeah, hopefully, oh, sure so that Yeah, that's it for me, mate. Yeah, uh, no, appreciate goodnight. it. Mate. Uh, I'm and thankful stay Yes, uh, yeah stay safe Yeah, take care. And hopefully to see you all soon. Hopefully,
1: tada.